1: store for computers and electrical free click and collect available now welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair
2: good morning and welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland on 91.3 SEN track southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN track Latrobe Valley Uh, you can listen live on the SEN app and at sen.com.au and don't forget you can catch up on every interview or the full show wherever you get your podcasts all thanks to our great friends out at Harvey Norman Wan Thaggy your local store for computers and electrical free click and collect available now it's got a, we've got a massive show ahead ahead of us we've had a massive week leading into it and again joining me in the chair as he has been for the last month now he's just a regular he's Dan the man Eddie
3: Hello Bradley, good to see you mate and you're right it has been a big week there's so so much going on in sport it's it's crazy isn't it we, world cups coming out of our ears at the moment we've got uh, I know the the rugby world cups on and we're into the final there and we've got the cricket world cup final coming up and we've got the soccer world cup coming up it's uh, it's a great time to to be a global sports supporter.
2: And speaking of which Dan we've got a couple of uh interviews this morning and the first one what we've got at about ten twenty. and interesting with pakistan making the world cricket cup final in the t20 michael gallus will join us about ten twenty. who was the coach of the pakistan australian rules football team that recently won the asian cup
3: yeah he's got an amazing story mick uh, he's a good mate of mine and he uh he coached a women's team and then Uh, went over and toured Pakistan which is a rare thing to do he was almost treated like a an international celebrity they really looked after him and took him around the country to some pretty dangerous spots too and uh, he recruited a bunch of blokes who didn't know what footy was And he's taken them all the way and, and just the story on the grand final alone is quite uh, fascinating So he'll be great to listen to Yeah,
2: looking forward to that And also, just after the 11 o'clock news We're going to talk to the assistant coach at the Gippy Power side Alan Chandler hmm. We're going to talk about the uh, upcoming draft And the hopefuls that they've got at Gippy Power And there's a few of them
3: Yeah, I've been speaking to the coach a bit uh Rick McLennan, and he um yeah he's he's praised a, a few of the guys there so it's really exciting what's um what's going on uh locally the gippy power team and they've they've done a great job developing those kids' cause they cover a fair area all the way down to eastern gippsland there so uh it will be interesting to hear how he how Alan views um, the prospects uh, in, when is it, next week? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks, I think, yeah. yeah
2: the old uh, ducky, he's still having a run around every now and then. He's uh, And I spoke to him yesterday on the phone, and he's definitely staying on with Gippy Power. He's loving his role down there. And why wouldn't you? They've been travelling really mm. well. Pretty stiff this year not to actually win it. They're yeah. on top all year. And I did see him play a couple of times, and they've got some really good kids. So I look forward to talking to him. What a big week it's been. We had a great Monday, uh, oh. earlier in the week, Dan, where we went out to the Mornington Peninsula and spent four hours with the great, the legend, a football genius, Peter Hudson.
3: Yeah, Peter and Steph uh, fed us up and looked after us. Um, it was it was fascinating, wasn't it? I think we were able to ask a few questions of Pete that most people don't ask him. So I think you'll get some really good insights when that podcast comes out very soon. And I know he was really wrapped with the finished product. So that's always good when uh, when Pete gives you the thumbs up.
2: Yeah, that, that was worrying because um, I, I, I put it together and then sent it off to you and you sent it off to him and I'm I'm sitting there anxiously waiting for his thumbs up before we uh, mm. actually put that into the airwaves and uh, we'll have a fair bit of that little uh, bits and pieces over the coming weeks here on this show, So today's in Gippsland, obviously. Now, um, we've got some grabs that we're going to talk about and have after the first break, after we speak to Michael Gallus. The Jared uh, waitley's call, of the England winning uh, game against India was fascinating. So I look forward to having a listen to that. Gillum McLaughlin. Now, the magic round. Dan, what mm. do you think of it?
3: Uh, well, we've blatantly ripped it off from rugby league. Um, you know, we're we're good at just copying things. We copy America as much as we can, and we've we've done that again here. But I mean, the the positives outweigh the <laughs> outweigh that, but. Uh so I think it'd be great for South Australia. I saw there's a editorial in the Herald Sun today about uh oh, you know, you you're robbing Victoria of football. I mean, come on, it's a national game, it can be played yeah. wherever and it should we most games are played in Victoria, so I think uh, I think the other states have got a fair right to to have some games there and I wouldn't mind seeing it in Tassie as well. I think it'd be great, but um I was gonna bring it up a bit later in our hot or not, but uh I reckon you drive instead of fly at this stage.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, that's true too. Hey, that magic round is Thursday, uh, Thursday, April 13 to Sunday, April sixteenth. I love what they've done, school holidays. Mm-hmm. All South Australian football will have a bye. Sample all the local stuff. And if anyone's ever been over to Adelaide and had a look at the precinct around that where you walk over the bridge to the Adelaide Oval, I think they've chosen the right state.
3: Yeah, and the... Excuse me. There'll be six games at Adelaide Oval, one in the Barossa Valley. You'll be at that one, Brad. I'm sure, and two at Norwood Oval as well. So uh, they're spreading it out a bit. But uh, the good thing is, if you are an AFL or club member, all matches are free. So you can go along for the yes. weekend and go to what nine games if you if you can um, get around to all the grounds. So uh, that is that's the real positive out of it.
2: Actually, love that. Hey, now Dan, uh, we've spoken at length over the. Last few weeks about the Saints and Ross Lyon and Brett Ratton, well, they've come up, and the findings of the external review uh, have come to fruition, and they're in the public domain now. Yeah,
3: and it was pretty brutal. I mean, they generally only release the the good stuff or the to the point stuff. They don't go into the nitty gritty, but they've they've certainly revealed some of the some of the real negatives. I I was amazed, you know, they've sold uh, how many games? Six. Uh, They've sold something like six games in five years to other states or even to China, and they're 0-6 in those games. So I'm not surprised that they've decided they need to cancel those um, money-grab games that they send in the state because it hasn't, hasn't helped their winning winning record.
2: Uh, I can tell you, when, when they went to Cairns, I was absolutely horrified because I'd spent two twenty twenty there through COVID. So there were four games. Mm-hmm shipped up to Mm. uh, Cairns and they just don't get it. They'll tell you different. AFL Cairns will tell you what you want to hear and they'll sell the greatest story of all time. They do not get it and they weren't able to capitalise it and I love that the Saints have knocked it on the head and said, no, we're not going back. And the rain, they've ruined a few games because they put them there at the wrong time. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. But anyway... Uh, but they were quite damning if Brett Ratton in that review.
3: Yeah, I think there was too much weight put on Ratton and not enough on the the people at the top who actually make the decisions. You know, I think uh, I think they've seem to have got off lightly out of it from what I've read in the paper. There might be more that they're not revealing, but uh, those blokes seem to just uh, get to cruise their way through, no matter how much um, angst they're causing St Kilda supporters over such a long time.
2: I'll just tell you. Quickly, briefly, we've got uh, time. When the footy was up there in AFL Cairns, uh, I was working in the media up there and we had a, a young uh, disabled boy that uh, was a mad, absolute mad Brisbane Lions fan and uh, I'd organised for him to meet Chris Fagan oh, yeah. and to also come into the press conference with me well, after the game and listen to Chris Fagan. There wasn't a problem on Brisbane's part. Everyone was fine. So I go into the press conference. There was only three of us there Mm. uh, that were there for the press conference. AFL Cairns kicked up because they reckon it wasn't sanctioned by them. They think they own the game up there just quietly. And uh, I was uh, kicked out and not allowed to back in in the remaining... uh, press conferences of any other game in Cairns yeah. and actually up where we were sitting covering the game they had security stand near me and try to intimidate me so I wouldn't go into the press conference after the game wow. absolute comical stuff needless to say the woman that was holding a position of authority is no longer in the game
3: bit bit going. rough on the bit rough on the kid who uh, was probably was that was his grand yeah. final day
2: he was in tears. Oh, really? You yeah. kicked out. Absolutely in tears. Yeah, just uh, comical stuff. So.
3: Well, they won't be seeing the saints up there anyway, anytime soon.
2: No, and which is a good thing. Hey, uh, just before we go to the break, Jeff Fennick <sighs> awarded his fourth world title from that ridiculous draw in 1991 with a Zoom and What Do you think?
3: It's almost a hot or not? Do you think it's a? Do you think it's a, a hot decision or not? I mean it. Uh, I don't know about these awarded later on, because you don't really get to appreciate it, do you? Like, he gets the belt, but is it the same?
2: It's probably not. But, gee, I don't think I've ever seen a sportsman in my time more devastated by a decision than that time back in 91. Okay. And and he did win. He won, clearly. Yeah. And uh, I remember watching the fight, and we were celebrating Before the decision, because we knew Mm -hmm. uh, Fennec had won it. So I think he's pretty happy. Okay.
3: Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Because you sort of, what is it, 30 years on, you think, oh, you know, is it it worth it? Yeah. Because of all this time. But if it's actually, if he's overjoyed about it, then that's the main thing, I think.
2: It's definitely not the same feeling.
3: No. And he
2: said that, I was robbed. Yeah. Absolutely robbed of, not the belt, the feeling. And he didn't like
3: that. I was robbed by all of yous. Remember, yes. I used to. Love <laughs> they took old. him off. Yeah, Love yeah. Old. Love old. yeah.
2: with Brad Sinclair and Dan Eddy on <laughs> Saturdays in Gippsland on 91.3 SEN track Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN track La Trobe Valley. We're going to go to a short break. When we come back from that break, we're going to talk to the victorious AFL Asian Cup winner, the Pakistan coach, Michael Gallus. And what a terrific story. Really look forward to that with Pakistan playing in the World Cup T20 cricket grand final at the M- or Grand Final World Cup final at the MCG tomorrow. So after these short messages, we'll have Michael Gallus on the line.
1: Harvey Norman Wonthagen, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland. With Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair. Welcome
4: back here to the MCG, and my word, it really has turned out to be a marvellous day for cricket indeed.
2: It certainly has, and Michael Gallus, a former part time AFL recruiter and now a teacher at Nukembar in the central Kimberley hope I've said that right, and he'll let us know, had just a few weeks to recruit and train a group of players to compete at the 2022 Asian Championships, the AFL Championships in Thailand last month, while most of the teams were bolstered by Aussie expats, including former AFL players and current Waffle Stars, the Pakistan side consisted entirely of Pakistani nationals, and Michael Gallus joins us on the line. Good morning, Michael.
0: Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Dan. Great to be back on SEN. Haven't been back since I uh, called the VFL with Pickers many years ago. Oh, well, there you go.
3: What was that experience like, mate?
0: Yeah, fantastic, mate. Uh, You get that opportunity to work with the elite AFL players and learn, and that's what uh, gave me a lot of the background knowledge that I used, obviously, over in Pakistan to put the team together and then motivate them to get over the line and win the championship.
2: Michael this is an incredible story we 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 were trying to get you on a few weeks ago and then things happened and and I've it's it's been good for me because I've gone back over the story again it is an absolutely and, and the timing of this call now is great because pakistan obviously playing the world cricket uh, World t20 cup cricket final tomorrow in melbourne what how did this come about how did you get it's it's a real story of uh, the unknown. You got these nationals from Pakistani that beat AFL players and waffle players. Take us through your mindset at the start.
0: Yeah, it was extraordinary. Just extraordinary. I was in Pakistan for three and a half weeks. I went to five different regions, Maltan, Lahore, Gujawala, Swabi, which is a regional town, as Lombabat. I ran trials with 50 uh, athletes. We had a lot of national soccer players, hockey players, cricket players, and I knew I'd done some recruiting for the Brisbane Lions a few years back, so I knew exactly the type of players that I needed, and I and I thought uh, you, you mentioned we're playing against expats, but the, the good thing about Aussies, and, which played in our favour, they loved to party, so I knew that uh, obviously <laughs> the Muslim uh, religion in Pakistan there's no alcohol and these were elite athletes. So I, I hoped that if I could um, get the opportunity to train them um, and we made an adaptive style of uh, AFL as well, I had, to, I had seven days. So once I spent three weeks um, running trials, we did four hour trials where I put them through 1500 metres, uh, sprint test, agility test, kicking test. And then we played some match sim in five different areas. So out of that 50, I took the top 10, and then we regrouped again in Islamabad. Um, that was probably about two weeks later, and out of that top 50, I did another four-hour trial, and we put that broke that down in the top 25, with obviously specific plays for specific um, positions. I had two of the fastest soccer players short in the forward pocket, and um, I told them when the ball hits the ground, don't worry about picking it up; just kick it through the goals, and um, to so Sata, up. He kicked six goals for us. He kicked one of the best backheel goals you'll ever see in a uh, game of footy. You'd go to AFL Age and look at the highlights. We had a six foot six ruckman, Tuller Yusuf, and the most exciting thing we're talking with Kalgoorlie, um, um a Mine Rovers Footy Club, about getting him to come to Australia and play out there and live out there, which is just extraordinary. And he was able to uh, use his size to get it down to, we had marathon runners, Olympic um, athletes from Pakistan um, in relation to their ability to just keep running and running and running. And um, I knew if I could bring it all together, and all credit to the players, as you said, they're all nationals. Every other team had at least 80% expat Aussies. First time they would entered the competition. First time they have won, and first time ever a national team had been in the competition to win as well.
3: It's not a bad, uh, not a bad little notch on your resume, Mick. I must be honest, and your resume is outstanding. You're involved with um, Footies for All, which gives sports balls to uh, you know millions, and all, yeah, you know thousands of. Uh, disadvantaged kids around Australia and the world it's you're an amazing man in in a lot of that stuff and people need to look into what you do there as well but um, just just uh, traveling to Pakistan it's obviously not on everyone's um, holiday itinerary because it's it has been known to be quite dangerous so how did you did you have any near misses during your travels and how did you find the environment to, to tour around in?
0: No, I was very lucky. Like, Islamabad's uh, the safer city, set up like Canberra. Obviously, all the, uh, the politicians and the parliaments are there. We actually had a meeting with the sports minister of Pakistan. First time ever an Australian and ever a meeting with them. And the first time ever an Australian had given an AFL ball to the Pakistan sports minister. And I think it was a bit perplexed, to be honest, in relation to a football that wasn't round. <laughs> but um, no, I had great people on the ground over there. And all credit again, the whole thing has been AFL Pakistan has all been set up by nationals. Like you look at all around the world, all the AFL international um, groups that are happening have got expat Aussies involved. And they they love this game since 2014. They set it up themselves. All credit to President Sadar Tarek. Audrey Ali, General Secretary, NASA Ali, the uh, the CEO over there. And they just started playing the game. They, they, I went over in 2019 after I coached the women's team in 2017. There's another story for you at the AFL International yeah. Cup in uh, in Melbourne. And um, they've just grown the game from there and the development across all those. They've got clubs, two or three clubs in each of those regional areas and cities that I spoke about. And then, um, again, I was able to... Uh, we ran a seven-day, three-hour-a-day training camp before the Asian Cup. I did one hour of fitness, one hour of match simulations, and one hour of teaching them the rules because the majority of these players, um, they'd never even played a full game before, nevertheless a game against expat Aussies, nevertheless an Asian championship. And it's just extraordinary that the players never gave up. We won the semi-final by a point. I moved, uh, we, had, we weren't getting enough drive across the half-forward so I brought Yasa onto the ground from Gujawala. He'd had seven stitches still in his hand from a training accident, split the webbing. But he paid his own way to get to um, Thailand. And he said, I want to play. I want to play, coach. Don't, don't count me out. He taped his hand up. He kicked a crucial point that got us into the grand final. And then uh, we were 20 points down at half time. We're only playing 10-minute halves. And I pulled them all in because we had Blair Bell from the Waffle, Peel Thunder, leading goal kicker. He kicked two goals from the centre. There was also a Waffle uh, midfielder that was carving us up. And I brought the boys in at half-time. I said, you've got 10 minutes. Let's break it down. That's 600 seconds. You've got 600 seconds to, to cover yourselves in glory. And if every second you attack the ball, I know you could run over the top of them. You've got the fitness. Just get the belief. And the captain, Tala Yusuf called them in. He tapped the ball down to the midfielder below. Long 50 metre uh, barrel to the full forward, off the back, toe-eat sitter in the pocket, that best back heel goal you've ever seen. And they didn't look back. The tails are up, seven goals in 10 minutes. And then they came home with the AC Cup. And all credit to those Pakistani boys, are just outstanding. Never gave up. And it shows, doesn't it, gentlemen, that um, they'd never even played the game half for these blokes, and yet they were able to win the AFL Asia Cup against um, Australian nationals who've been playing their whole lives. And if you got self-belief and you put it all together, you can achieve anything in life, not just in sport.
2: Now, as you said, that a lot of these guys, well, all of these guys are Muslim and they, they can't uh, hit the uh, ink. What did they
0: celebrate with? Just a, a uh, Pakistani cordial? Mate, they love to dance. They love to dance and they love to sing. You should have seen them at the after party, mate. It was fantastic. They were the, and they were the, and all credit to them, they were the uh, highlight of the championships. They, were, uh, they did a lap of honour with the cup, and every um, every um, team was um, barricading for us because we were the underdogs and up against the LG expats. The Laos Elephants, that's who we beat in the grand final. What great names. We had the uh, Singapore (laughs) Bombats and the Thailand Tigers and the uh, Vietnam Swans. All credit to the AFL Asia and the the way they put it together too. It was a a fantastic day of footy and a great way for nations to uh, come together as one in peace.
2: Michael we've just got to take some quick news headlines um, just for a couple of minutes and we'd like you to stick on the line because there's more to the story and we want to hear more of it can you just hang around no problems thanks Michael we'll be back after these news headlines with Michael Gallus, the victorious Pakistani coach of the AFL Asia Cup
1: Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair.
2: Uh, welcome back to Saturdays in Gippsland with Brad Sinclair and Dan the Man Eddie. You're on 91.3 SEN track Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN track Latrobe Valley. Now we are speaking with the victorious AFL Asia Cup winner from 2022 Michael Gallus of the Pakistani side and he's still with us on the line.
3: Mick uh I mean just how how are you able to fund your was the AFL supportive in in uh, you know funding you to get over there and be part of the you know to travel around Pakistan? Or Did you have to dig into your own pocket and, and sort of beg the wife to let you <laughs> let you uh, spend the <laughs> holiday savings on on <laughs> on traveling around there?
0: No, we were we're very blessed AFL Pakistan. Again, through just national businessmen, they um, they provided me with. Um, um, sponsorship in flights, and also obviously looked after me as I travel around the country. I helped out by selling one of my cars, and um, you know AFL has just been organised to uh, support us through. They sent over 450 Oz kick balls, which I went. Mate, the kids absolutely love it over there. I've been, uh, I travelled um, and ran clinics in schools with three, four, five hundred kids. One school there was 200 girls that just. Absolutely love the game. One of our training sess trial sessions in Mulparney, we had 1,500 kids watching, cheering like when they were running around in the sprints and kicking the kicking the uh, doing the kicking test. And um, the potential there is extraordinary. You talk about Pakistan in the uh, Cricket 2020 World Cup. There's 230 million Pakistanis, right? The the whole of Australia fits in Karachi, one of their towns. (laughs) And I just kept going around to all the places and saying that if they actually believe, their their self-belief is lacking. And uh, everywhere I went, I said, you should be winning the World Cup of Cricket, and that could happen. You should be winning the World Cup of Hockey. You just won the Asian World Cup of AFL. And any sport that they go into, if they're properly coached, if they're properly selected, and same with everything, there's politics. One of the headlines in the, local, in the newspapers, the national newspapers, was Michael picks the team. And I said, I rang the journalist, and I said, well, why is that extraordinary? He said, well, coaches never choose the team. It's the government, or it's the sponsor, or it's, or it's an official. <laughs> wow. And again, I said to him, "Well, if you've got two hundred and thirty million people to choose from, you should just be get the coaches to do it, get them to be, and then get them the opportunities to train properly, and um, you know you win everything across the world."
2: Now, Michael, you spoke about the crummers and the small forwards that you've seen up there. Now they are back in vogue, and we have really in our system here in. Australia gone for the bigger type, basketball and ruckman. Do you think there's going to come a time where there might be a, a crumbing Stevie Milne from Pakistan come into the system?
0: Mate, no doubt, no doubt, mate. And the women, the women over there are extraordinary as well. So don't worry about that. I was I was part of cross coders. Lauren Sparks there from the AFLW Western Bulldogs. Um, they brought out women from all over the world to run a program. It was the first time that the Irish girls came out um, in relation to uh, playing AFL, and their ability to, you know, cross code. And we see it now. There's two Irish women at least in every every team, and there should be more, to be honest, because they're a lot tougher, they're a lot stronger, and they love the uh, contest. And um, there's no doubt the same with Pakistani women and Pakistani men. But, um, our, the competition, Best of fairest was won by Tick Attic, our uh, centre-half back for Division 3. And uh, we called him the general, and uh, he was absolutely massive and a crowd favourite by the end of it. And, you know, my fullback, I taught him to kick barrels from 50 metres out. And, and I just took it back to the basics. Malcolm Blight would have been proud of my boys. We had at least five torts a game. I just told him to kick it long and then run, run, run. And as you said, you had those two small forwards that were just picking the ball off the pack. Mate, they couldn't catch him. That was just extraordinary to watch. And go to AFL Asia... Look up the Pakistani AFL uh, Asian uh, team. Everything was live-streamed, which was extraordinary, and well done to AFL Asia oh. with that. Watch the games. We had Ashan Ali, the deputy vice-captain. He kicked a goal from 60, and it's got two of the best leg breaks. Shane Ward would have been proud of him. That um, <laughs> gave us our second goal in that uh, 10 minutes of uh, glory to uh, get the boys over the line, and, you know, you know... Grand finals are hard to get into, and even harder to win. And to be the best, you got to beat the best. And all credit to the boys; they got it done.
3: Yeah, and I reckon uh, I reckon Mick would have been leading the, the party dancing too. By the way, um, <laughs> and just just did you just with the cricket World Cup on, mate? Um, did you get a sense as you're travelling around just how we we always hear how obsessed India is with cricket? Did you get that vibe about just how? Um, I'll say life and death, but you know how how much it's part of the culture there that uh, that they just worship their cricketers.
0: Oh, 100 percent, and oh, the other the other issue I had too. Boys, majority of the team didn't speak English; they spoke their native language mm-hmm. of Urdu. So every training instruction and game instruction had to be translated from uh, my uh, Aussie English into uh, Urdu, and and. Everywhere I went, you know, I was in an Uber in a They didn't speak English, but they spoke cricket. I'd just say, Steve Smith. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's, <laughs> they loved Australia. Glenn Maxwell, uh, Pat Cummings. Yeah, and they loved talking about Ricky Ponting and Steve Waugh and all the, older, all the older Aussies. Everywhere I went, on the streets in the middle of the night, on the fields in the middle of the day, before school after school they're all just playing cricket everywhere most of the time it's with a stick and a um, wrapped up bit of plastic in the regional areas because they don't have tennis balls or cricket balls and everywhere you went and again it's the language of sport isn't it boys I said I was from Australia I was the only western tourist in the whole country and um, you know (laughs) it was honour and a privilege that I was allowed to uh, travel around and go to all these places and I was on Breakfast TV, it was like Brad Pitt, everywhere I went there was a uh, there was a press conference to be had, and um, um, I don't think they could believe AI was there, and what a crazy game I was bringing across as well, and that was all a part of it. They're so passionate, they love their sport, and uh, happily they love Australia as well.
2: What a wonderful story, and we've run out of time Mick, but... Uh, Fascinating story and and, uh, I would ask anyone that's listening, get onto that AFL Asian website and have a look at the carnival. It is unbelievable. You've done a mighty job, not only in winning the cup and uh, being premiers, uh, Michael, but is taking the game to 235 million people. You've done more in a couple of weeks than what a lot of executives at AFL have done in a lifetime. I think that is absolutely brilliant. Thanks for joining us.
0: No, great to be on. Big shout-out to uh, my great-uncle, John Gallis down there in Gippsland to play for Melbourne in the 70s. And I reckon also, boys, he coached Gary Ablett at him in between Hawthorne and Geelong. And I reckon he had a say in... Uh, Getting Gary Ablett uh, back in the footy, enjoying his footy, and hats off to you, John, and you're a great man at Gippsland and uh, big cheerio to your daughter, Samantha Gallis, as well.
2: Great stuff. That was Michael Gallus of the Pakistani side that won the Asia AFL Cup back uh, last month, actually, and um, we hopefully will talk to him again when they win it next time around, Dan.
3: Yeah, definitely, and he's taking me with me next time. There's no um, with him next time, and I'm not missing out on that trip to Pakistan. Uh, and John Gallis, yeah, he did play uh, 28 games with the D's, uh, 1971 and 72, Bradley. Great stuff.
2: We will be back after these short messages with a whole lot more on Saturdays in Gippsland. You're with Brad Sinclair
1: and Dan Eddy. Harvey Norman, Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair.
4: Shammy to Butler, the captain with the privilege of finishing it right now. Butler goes
0: hard to log on. It's over the top of Coley. It's six. The full firepower of England's openers unleashed in
4: Adelaide the butler did it in a hailstorm, storm the likes of which cricket has rarely seen
2: england romp home in the semi-final none down and this world cup will finish on a nostalgic note it's a reprise of 1992 we go back to the mcg to see pakistan and england in the trophy decider Wow, that's why he's the best in the business, Dan. What a call from Jared Whateley on England's big win over England. Didn't uh, over India, didn't lose a wicket, and now have the right to play Pakistan in the grand final tomorrow night.
3: Yeah, it was well, the way Paki, um India finished their innings. I thought, oh, they're they're going to get them here. They'd, they'd really f- um, come home hard at the end, uh, India. And then, <laughs> gee whiz, didn't uh, didn't England just? Control. They were they were both outstanding. Yep. It was unbelievable. So I've got an interesting stat, Brad. On uh, yep. So 1992 as, as Jared alluded to was the the famous yes. final in Australia, Pakistan, and um, England. Um, that in that tournament, the Packies lost the opening match at the MCG. Did so again in this tournament. Won the last three matches of the group stage. Then did it again. This time, qualified for the semi-final on the last day of the tournament. They've done it again. Beat New Zealand in the semi-final. Did that again. Uh, and now they face England in the final at the MCG. So uh, history may be repeating itself. Who do you like? Oh, I like anyone who plays against England because <laughs> um, people talk about Collingwood being the yes. team that... Uh, England for me is a team... Every sport they play, I just want to see them lose. Um, so Packies for me, but uh, they need to get... An early wicket or two, of the Packies or else England yeah. will come home. They've just got too many guns.
2: Yeah, they certainly have. Maybe Michael Gallus uh, might be a chance to coach the national cricket team because... Uh, he's
3: done everything else over that there. That is
2: unbelievable, the story of Michael Gallus. I, I, I just thought that was uh, an amazing uh, interview with him. He uh, He's done everything.
3: Yeah, and he's only touching on it. He, he's done a lot more. He's a very humble man, but he... He said he sold his car. He's, he's sacrificed a lot. I, I don't know how he's still married because he never sees his wife and he never sleeps. So I don't know how he—he's uh, <laughs> got he's got kids and he's, he just does so much. And he's over in—you know—they live in Melbourne. He's over in um, Broome, I think, at the moment, teaching uh, Indigenous kids. I think over there he's doing an unbelievable job. But uh, yeah, his experiences. I hope he can, I can go with him next time he goes to Pakistan because he just. He gets it, and he's one of the great ambassadors for the AFL should be hiring him as a, you know, it's it's unbelievable.
2: Now, I know uh, the weather doesn't look great for the final tomorrow mm. night, but uh, if it does get underway, and I know a lot of people, me included, mm. would have loved to have seen a Pakistan-India so. final because of the crowd. We've got a lot of poms in Melbourne and in the country. Yeah. I suspect the crowd will be not as strong, but it'll still be a very good crowd tomorrow night.
3: Oh yeah, now they'll still fill it. I I would have been there except uh, the cheapest ticket was like two hundred and fifty bucks or something, which was ridiculous. I went to the 50-50 final in twenty fifteen, and it was a hundred bucks. So uh, it's priced out of my uh, my little wage, but. Um yeah, no, we'll get oh, there'll be a massive they'll just be neutrals there as well. I mean a lot of Indian people have come over for the tournament, assuming their team will make the final, so I dare say they'd booked a ticket for the final, they'll still be there as passionate as ever. They'll probably I don't know who they'll be barking for. They don't want England or Pakistan to win. So that'll no. be that'll be quite interesting. But it really does come down to whether the pack is can um, get enough of a score and then get an early wicket or two. And then I love watching the Packies play when they're up and about. Babar might have got through his little slump and he's, he's come back to his, his usual form. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the story in the paper today about from Michael Atherton about um, Alex Hales who missed out on their... Uh, World Cup final in 2019, the 50 over one, and he's, he's now the man to lead them into the final. So he might get a bit of a redemption story there, but uh, I hope not. I hope the Packies get up.
2: Going to be amazing. So uh, we'll all be glued to the television if you haven't got a ticket and going. Uh, you want to just quickly talk some AFL after the 11 o'clock news? We're going to talk to Alan Chandler, the assistant coach of Gippsland Power, just on some guys that they've got coming through that could get drafted in a couple of weeks. The magic round that we touched on earlier, uh, the AFL magic round that will take place in South Australia on between Thursday, April 13 and Sunday, April 16. School holidays and uh, all the South Australian footies going to take a week off. Gillum McLaughlin uh, announced it during the week and I think it's fantastic and I think it's going to be brilliant for not only South Australia but for the whole of the country in the AFL and this is what Gillan McLaughlin had to say.
5: It's a great thrill to uh, officially announce that the AFL will play an extra round uh, in the 2023 Toyota AFL Premiership season. And that round will be played right here in South Australia. It is a league first for the national competition. All nine AFL matches featuring all 18 clubs we played in a single state for premiership points. It will officially be round 5 of the 2023 season and the nine games will be scheduled across four days running from Thursday, April 13 through to Sunday, April 16, with dates coinciding with the school holidays nationally. Matchups, timings and venues will be confirmed Upon the release of the fixture in late November, um, but you know at the risk of getting this wrong, nothing is confirmed. But the, the the broad proposal we play here at Adelaide Oval in this incredible venue Thursday night, Friday night, we'd have double headers uh, here on Saturday, double header here on Sunday, uh, and then you would be able to we play the balance of the games, three games in in, um, suburban venues in Adelaide and potentially a regional venue and there's all to be confirmed and we'll partner with the the state government on that Um, but uh, you know it's pretty exciting. All entry to all of the nine matches will be free to club and AFL members so clearly it's relevant to your specific club but will be free free to members for your teams and further ticket information will be released shortly with tickets on sale post the release of the fixture.
2: Fantastic. Really looking forward to it. That'll be, as he said, the great man. April 13 to April 16. We might take a short break. Don't forget, after the 11 o'clock news, we're going to talk to Gippsland Power Assistant Coach Alan Chandler on the draft hopefuls from Gippsland. We'll be back with more Saturdays in Gippsland after
1: these short messages. Harvey Norman, Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair.
2: You're back with Brad Sinclair and the great man Dan, the man Eddie, sitting in for the whiz. It's Saturdays in Gippsland on 91.3 SEN Track Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Latrobe Valley. Now, Dan, a lot of the local clubs in Gippsland, football clubs, have got back underway. Goes really quick. The off-season preseason started last night at Purwong under the great man Rod Gundrell in his first senior job. Yeah, caught
3: up with yeah mate. Caught up with Rob Rod uh, last week actually. We had a coffee and uh, had a great chat about where where he's at. He's excited about what's ahead. Uh, I was hoping to help him out a bit this year, but uh, it's a bit hard uh, logistically. But uh, I'll certainly be uh, morally supporting him. But he he's got uh, he's got a lot on. And he, you know, you you don't see a, a bloke as as enthusiastic and eager to get things underway as Rod. He's got a million plans and been speaking to trying to recruit a few more players that they need. And it, it is tough because uh, everyone wants a dollar these days, Brad. I mean, you and me are the only two that don't get paid to do anything. But uh, but he um, he, uh, he he's got. He's got lots of stuff going on, and I'm I'm excited for him. And he's he's got some. Uh, he's really positive about where Wong's heading.
2: Uh, good on him. All the best in that job, Rod. We'll be back after the news with Alan Chandler, assistant coach of the Gippy Power squad, and we're going to talk about all their draft hopefuls coming up in a couple of weeks. That's all after the 11 o'clock news.
1: Norman Wonthacky, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair.
2: Welcome back to Saturdays in Gippsland on 91.3 SEN Track Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Latrobe Valley. You can listen live also on the SEN app and at scn.com.au you with Brad Sinclair and Dan Eddy. And joining us on the line is the assistant coach of the Gippsland Power Squad, who we spoke to earlier in the year, twice, I think. And uh, we're going to talk to him this morning, Dan, about draft hopefuls. It's a very warm welcome and a good morning to Alan Chandler. Hi, Brad, Dan, how are you? Good, Alan. Mate, yeah. We're fantastic. How are you? And where? I, I, I'll take a guess. You probably had a little athletics, are you? I'm oh. so
4: the
2: boys.
6: Little Lockie's uh, done his events for the day and did all right. So we're, we're back home and resting up, I suppose, is the right word.
2: Now, it's the draft in a couple of weeks, Ducky. Uh, my man, Bailey Humphrey, and Jacob Constanti. They're my men, of course. I know you've had a lot to do with them, but I'm claiming when there's mine and they the end zone. Uh, apart from them, there's a few others. How do you think, I know it's hard and and you can't say too much because you don't want to be building up hopes, but deep down, how many do you reckon you might uh, get drafted?
4: Oh,
6: geez, it's it's always a guessing game because you've got no idea what the clubs are thinking. But uh, if every draft report that's come out over the last month says we might have five, so if we get five, that's a fantastic result for Gippsland.
3: It sure is. Uh, so you don't get, even in the days leading up to the draft, you you and the coaches there don't get a, a heads up from the clubs that, you know, this is, you know, we're, we're definitely taking him and him and him. Like, is there any of that sort of feedback as the as it gets nearer?
6: Oh, well, definitely not to me. So I'm, I'm part time. but We have two full time staff in Rep McLean and Scott McDougall. They might get a bit more, but I think the clubs actually hold it pretty close to their chest about. They they like a lot of people, but they've probably got their draft order. They're ready to roll, and it just depends what happens on the night because I think Essendon's pick number four really changes everything at the top of the order.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny how it pans out sometimes and then years down the track you look at the what-ifs when a club's grabbed someone <laughs> that probably ahead of someone that they shouldn't have. The one I want to start off talking about, Ducky, is Jacob Constanti from the Druin Football Club. You've had a lot to do with this young bloke. Uh, Shifter Sheen, Kevin Shifter Sheen has just come out and said he's one of the big prospects as a small crumbing, probably the best one going around right now. He was runner-up in the Best and Fairest at Kippy Power this year. Have you showed him how to kick a goal? Because if there anyone could kick a goal, Ducky, it was you. Uh,
6: well, I think we've been working on our celebrations. So I think he's got me <laughs> covered in that stake. So uh, he, he loves the goal. but He loves the tackle just as much. Uh, yeah, great work ethic. Um, be an absolute steal for anyone who gets him into their environment full time. So.
2: Mate, there's already been a comparison to Tom Papley, who's also from Gippy Powell. Would you buy in on that?
6: A little bit of that about him. Um, Yeah? Yeah, there's the same cheeky attitude. Um, I was lucky enough to play against Papley in cricket. There was definitely a bit of um, sludging going on. He was very good at that. Um, But he was a super skillful player as well, so... um, Kistan is similar in that guard. He's probably got a higher work rate for the tackle at the moment, at that age anyway. Um, Yeah, so look forward to seeing how he develops in a full-time system.
2: Now, also, uh, Alan Chandler's involved out at, well, he's the head of the sports out at Luana College Mm. in Newborough. Now, you had one of your old guys uh, come back uh, just recently. might have even had a chat to, was it Bailey Humphrey? had a chat to Sam Skinner.
6: Yeah, Sam Skinner was back yesterday and he's a, an absolute ripping lad and very appreciative for him coming in and speaking to not only our seven eight academy but our 9'10 academy kids and he sat down with Bailey Humphrey for an hour and we had a chat yesterday about you know, what an opportunity looks like and Bailey got a great opportunity to ask all the questions that he was thinking about, um, so it was quite um, interesting listening to some of that with uh, How often they train and all that type of stuff. So it was probably an eye-opener. And I think Bailey's well aware it doesn't matter what number he gets picked at, it's just an opportunity. So I think he's looking forward to it.
2: I think that's the big one that I think. There's so much talk about where you get picked. If you're a top ten, or if you're the number, or it almost has become a curse to be go to go number one. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to do it. The way I look at it right now, so I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I wouldn't care where you got picked up at. It's just getting picked up. So you go back, Ducky. Say the Jason Horn Francis stuff last year. The pressure that was on him. Where he come from originally. So say if. Uh, that was happening to one of your boys, uh, whether it be Constanti or, or or Humphrey. Are, are you guys in constant contact when that's happening? That that initial period when they first go, because you'd be you've been involved in so much of their development. You'd be a real good shoulder and and just a good sounding board. So you're still involved in that at that time.
6: Uh, I think it depends on your individual relationships. And obviously with Bailey and Jacob, I've a pretty strong one and so do quite a few from power. But someone like Sammy Flanders, I still talk to almost weekly now. So it's um, nice to see what they're doing in that full-time environment. And one of the big things for me is to see what they're doing away from footy as well so that they can take their mind off it. It's a big full-time job, um, but they've got to have that release away from footy as well.
3: Yeah, and we obviously we, we talk about it with the the players that go into uh, non-Victorian states who so might might get picked up by Brisbane or Perth or somewhere, and then there's the come home factor. Do you guys uh, sort of mentor them before they get drafted on the fact that you know you might have to live away from home to to live your dreams? Is, is that is that something that is is regularly discussed?
6: Well, it's probably not regularly discussed, but I, I think. One of the advantages of being gifted is we spend a lot of time traveling anyway. So someone yeah. like Cooper Vickery he travels two to four hours just to training. <laughs> and then he's got to get back home. So And that's before he gets to a game that's not at all. So imagine the yeah. game at Wangaratta this year. That, that
2: boy was traveling eight, nine hours. That, so that's it's incredible. Cause amazing. Because Cooper Vickery go, is from now. so is it? As you say, he's from Bensdale, uh, which is the longest trip for most of them. He's he won the Best and fairest, so he's trained two, he's driven two to four hours to get to training, then all to the games, and he's won your Best and fairest straight away. That would say to recruiters and AFL clubs, the kid has got to write the right focus, surely.
6: Yeah, so I look forward to hopefully hearing his name get called out. But he's had a great year. Um, yeah, and he proved that with the best in first. But I think his the country games were really good as well. So he's given himself the absolute best chance he can. And I like, can imagine taking that travel away for training and being in a full-time environment. So I think these guys are well prepared because they have to do training away from the club. So hopefully they're they're driven enough to take the opportunity when it comes.
2: Ducky's there. Also, a a vision on burnout is it, can they do too much? A lot of these guys are studying as well, and they're doing their VCE and so forth. Are you very mindful of that? That the and watchful of the burnout.
6: Yeah, I definitely at power. we pretty mindful of, this, especially the travel factor um, and the stress factor. And I thought that would be a really good reason why the drafts after exams. Um, so it's just trying to navigate that through there and in life communication through that period is really important as well so it's about them being honest with us about where they're at mentally and physically and I think the boys have done a great job this year of actually navigating their way through that Yeah, good
3: and obviously we hope that uh, every player does get drafted but for the ones that don't I mean, do you... Have you found in the past that you guys sort of need to be there to pick up the, the the slack so they don't get too down on the fact that they may have been overlooked because obviously not everyone can be we be picked up and we all we all hope that we can so how how uh, yeah how do you, how do you handle that when someone isn't drafted?
6: Well, I think um, one of our big focuses this year was so what now what so hmm. if you in that situation where you don't get picked up right what can I do now? to give myself the best chance. There's mid-season chances. There's supplementary picks now. Um, do you get a chance mm. to do a pre-season at a club? Do you go and have a crack at state level? And I think all those things come into play, but Scotty and Rhett look after that. and There's probably sounding boards for the ones that miss out, but um, that's probably the focus. If you thought you were overlooked, then you work hard for that next opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm. And I look at that too, that the uh, back in the day when the tack cut, car- It was when when it started. There was just an under-18 competition, and that was it. Now you've got them coming through in squads in 15s and 16s. So I would imagine it's spoken in the early days too, Ducky?
6: Uh, About which bit? About missing out? Oh, just
2: about... uh, Yeah, about missing out.
6: I think John Newcomb's the best story out of that. Like at 16... Didn't get picked for power, 17, 18, didn't get picked for power, got to come in as a 19-year-old. COVID hit, gets an opportunity at a VFL practice match during his 19-year-old year, and they loved him that much. They invited him back, and then two years later, he's a runner-up best and Paris in AFL. So people develop at different rates, and if you want opportunities, you've got to work hard for them.
2: Yeah, yep. Uh, beautifully said, Ducky. You're spot on, and he is the one. Uh, John Newcomb that uh, you, you can say that it's never over. You, you, your chance is always there, mate. I'd love to thank you for joining us. I'll tell you what we'd love to do. Any chance of joining us after the draft? And we'll have a chat, hopefully, about three or four that you've got picked up.
6: Yeah, absolutely. No dramas at all. We'd love to.
2: That'd be, fan- that'd be fantastic, Ducky. We'll give you a call in a couple of weeks, and we'll have a chat to that. Good luck with the rest of the afternoon. You're probably out swinging the willow today.
6: No, no, Cricket retired a few years ago. I'm very happy about that. But I may hit a golf ball later.
2: <laughs> I'll get a lot All the of best, huh? golf
6: best. fine Cricket.
2: <laughs> okay. Hope you hit them well. Thanks for that. We'll talk to you in a couple yeah. of weeks. Thanks, much. That was Alan Chandler, the assistant coach of the Gippsland Power side and we'll talk to him again in a couple of weeks on hopefully a couple of players being drafted into the big time. We'll take a quick break Dan when we come back it's my favourite segment uh, hot or not.
1: Harvey Norman Wonthaggy your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair feeling hot hot
4: hot, hot. Real hot. That's
1: hot hot that's hot that's hot that's
0: hot that's hot
2: this is hot it's so damn hot ah uh, it's a time of the week daniel love it love it love it when all week things happen sometimes they're hot sometimes they're not
3: well what do you think of this one brett um Australia went into this tournament as the reigning champions in the in the 2020 World Cup, and they sort of didn't get off to the best start. They got done by New Zealand, and then they uh, they just managed to beat um, Afghanistan in the last game by a couple of runs, but it wasn't enough to get them into the semi-finals. And afterwards, um, the man of the hour, apparently uh, Glenn Maxwell, had this to say about. Um, not not, make, not living up to expectations and not making it through the final. He said, oh, you can't dwell on it too quickly. I think you move on pretty quickly. You've got a one-day series with Indi- England coming up, and then we've got the big bash and four-day cricket. Cricket never stops, so you don't get time to dwell. Maybe when you retire, you think back to what it, that it would have been nice to win, but it doesn't mean anything. Uh, is, that, uh, is that sort of, you, you're an ex-coach? You're an ex-coach, and I'm just wondering whether you think uh, that's the, the that sort of attitude is is hot or not at this uh, the the modern game where there's so much cricket.
2: Mm, I think it's not hot, and I think no. it's arrogance. I think it's not hot. Yeah, I don't I don't like it.
3: No, me either. I think it it's why we have a bit of a disconnect with the Aussie cricket team. I think because uh, well,
2: don't we? want we, well, a disconnect
3: there? Oh, I don't feel like. Uh,
2: Sen took phone calls last week about. Uh, why aren't you watching the World Cup? And 90% of them said, I do not like the players.
3: Yeah, and I'm the same. Wow. I, oh. I don't connect to them. No. So oh. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about Pakistan. Now, what have you got? What question well, Dan, have you got for me?
2: I'll tell you what. You tell me if this is hot or not. We've spoken about the magic round coming up, and mm. I like it. Some people have put forward that we call – because Gilliam McLaughlin hasn't uh, set in stone that it's going to be called the magic round. He's looking for something else. Yeah. And there is a rumour it could be called the Neil Danaher round. Do you think that's hot Mm. or not?
3: Well, we need to honour him somehow. Um, And when I first heard it, I think John Ralph posed it, um, I wasn't sold on it. I thought maybe we could honour him in a different way. But if this is the way to do it, um, great. So it's hot. Anything to do, do with Neil Danaher is hot, and it should be because he's just a, a god in this country, and he should be Australian hot of the year. So yeah,
2: that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, one of my favourite movies. So what is it? Um, good Morning Vietnam. Oh yeah, <laughs> It's one of my favourite movies. Well, so
3: it's hot. It is hot, but I, I don't know if there's another way to to honour him. Um, I, I'd almost prefer that, but uh, anything that honors Neil is good. Yeah. Is this hot or not, Brad? Uh, we have just uh, still touching on the magic round. And uh, if you want to, uh, you know, you might get your tickets for free to the game if you remember. But how are you going to get over there? Um, flights last week for that exact weekend were $198 for a, uh, like a round trip to go to $198 to go to Adelaide. And uh, after this was announced, uh, the same round trip for the same date was five hundred and fifty-six dollars. So, is it hot the way that uh, airlines mm. try to capitalise, or do you think it's uh, it's
2: not a great look? I'm I'm on the fence here. Really, because if you drive, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more. than What they've done to us, they've got us the other angle with the petrol prices. Mm.
7: Um,
2: but I don't think it's hot. No, I don't think it's not. hot. Not. I'm with you.
7: Yeah. <laughs>
2: but. Gee, putting it, getting, my, my hands shake when I get that nozzle at the petrol bouncer oh, and now I put it into my car and just watch it flip me notes. <laughs> 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 I don't like that. I, I, that. That really worries me. Um, now, Dan, this isn't sport, but I'm going to go... I don't know if you think this is hot or not. Do you think that this is hot or not? Mother Nature, right now... Uh, with what we've had in this state, I'm getting told that we might have six to eight weeks coming at us of more rain. Wow. Well, yeah. Do you think that's hot or not? Do, I mean, we're in Gippsland. They like the rain because it we greens do. everything up. and There's the, beautiful the moo the cows everywhere. It does look beautiful. Beautiful. Um, but I'm not real keen on paddling down the street here just quietly very soon. Do you think it's hot or not that we do get the rain now?
3: From a selfish point of view, I hate the heat. So for me, I'm quite happy with it. And I think I live in Langatha and I think we're okay flood-wise. So from a selfish point of view, I actually like it. Oh. But uh, I don't want it to land in all the areas where there's obviously the flood. So in that sense, it's not. So, so it's it might depend where you live. Nah. For me, it's hot because I don't like the hot. But oh. if you're in the in the flooded areas, it's a big now. knot. I'm confused
2: now about hot or not or rain or whatever.
3: If it, if it just rains over my house, I'm okay <laughs> with it. Um, no, that's it for me.
2: That's it for you. Well, I've got one more, and it, it, it's going to go back to sport. Is this hot or not? The review on the Saints, the hmm. the review findings on the Saints. Is this hot or not? A lot of people were asking that. Well, they want to know about the findings, and we didn't know about the findings. Now we do. Mm. It's been made, put out there in the public domain. Mm. Is do you, do we need to hear that? Is that hot or not? That we have heard it.
3: Yeah, no. I think, I think we've become a more, and we're seeing it at Essendon as well. We need to become more exclusive because the members feel a bit of a disconnect. So, I, I in my view, in my view a top, but I think uh, oh. I think in your no, view, you're it's you hot, not, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm hot. Yeah, uh, I'm going with hot. I'm going with hot. I, I, yeah, well, we talk, it's hard one.
3: Well, we it's talk hard about hard. disconnect with the cricket. Uh, as a member of a footy club, you want to feel like you're invested in their future and where they're going, and that's why I think it's hot uh, that the supporters read about that stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some stuff got left out because, as I said, I think. Uh, some of the people in charge of the club uh, needed to get it reviewed a bit harder as well. I just
2: feel for, for hey Ratman uh-huh. and his family picking up the paper and reading yeah, some yeah, of this yeah. stuff. I don't think it needed to be... That
3: bit, I agree, didn't yeah.
2: Didn't want to know about it. Geez, hey, uh, we
3: had some wishy-washies there. We had a we're we were on did. the fence a bit. We did. Oh, yeah. well,
2: I'm always on the fence, you know yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, we might uh, just grab some news headlines, uh, Dan, because uh, I want to know what's going on and I want to hear what's going on. And when we come back, We're going to talk some local sport. We're going to talk a lot more sport. Still some things happening. Local cricket got underway last week. Uh, Interesting uh, that will be to talk about that. Their first game took them about six weeks to get underway. So we'll go to the news headlines, Dan. We'll be back very
1: shortly. Harvey Norman, Wonthaggy. Your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland with Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair. Welcome back to Saturdays in Gippsland. You're with Brad Sinclair.
2: And sitting in for the Ian e the Wiz Doherty is Dan the Man Eddie. And it's on 91.3 SEN Track Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 SEN Track Latrobe Valley. You can also listen live on the SEN app and at sen.com.au And don't forget, you can catch up on every interview or the full show wherever you get your podcasts. So thanks to Harvey Norman One Thaggy, your local store for computers and electrical free click and collect available now and I would be getting on because our great man back in the studio Steve Woods has always got the podcast up pretty quickly. Oh and I would listen to that Michael Gallison Alan Chandler interview, Dan.
3: We'll be at One Thaggy we'll uh, Harvey Norman next week, won't we, Brent?
2: No. No. Oh, I thought we we'll were. We'll be at Tyre Power.
3: Oh, okay. In Wanfagi oh, next week. Okay. We're
2: at Tyre Power out at 78 to 80 Watt Street oh, in Wanfagi. Uh, um, hey, now, Dan, we could have pumped this one on hot or not, actually. Mm. Uh, the cricket and the tennis. There's been a bit of tennis. We speak a lot of the women's cricket at times, but the women's tennis in the Billie Jean Cup, the Fed Cup, the old Fed Cup, uh, the girls, the Australia girls, are into the semi final. And Storm Saunders and Sam Stozer. Sam Stozer's still running around. Boy, have they been good.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Alicia Mollick is the coach, Coach. am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we haven't heard much about it, but uh, I know with the Davis Cup and everything else, we we sort of, it's all changed. So it's not, uh, I was going back through some newspapers from the 90s and geez, we were, it was huge news when you win a Davis Cup or a Fed Cup or something, it was it covered a lot of the stories, so it probably slips under the radar a bit, but uh, yeah it's good to see the the Aussie women really having a crack
2: and some uh just a, it was good to see the local cricket getting back underway mm. last week because normally i and i 've said this before on radio, normally the cricket is always washed out round one uh, very rarely you get round one underway well, I can tell you that uh uh, we've, we've gone worse than that. We've missed about the first four rounds. But it did get underway. And s- staying with the women, uh, Inverloch Cricket Club has a new bowling sensation, Dan. Hmm. She provided a performance for the history books on the weekend. Holly Williams pulled off a very rare cricketing feat in the Stingrays' big win over MDU in the under-15s on Saturday, chasing 106 for victory. The Young Demons couldn't believe what had hit them. When Holly went wicket, wicket, wicket. That's right. She got a hat trick.
3: <laughs> Sensational. Unbelievable.
2: She... Under-15s, Holly Williams. I mean, that's... Isn't it? I played a lot of cricket. You would have played a lot yeah. of cricket. I never took a hat-trick.
3: No, I was on a hat-trick once. Were but, you? Uh, yeah, and, and then I thought, oh, I'll mix things up a bit. I'll come around the wicket here, and uh, it was a terrible decision. <laughs> I think I the wide. And uh, Rob was my captain, actually, and he looked at me and said... Uh, Rod Rob Gundry was my captain, and he looked at me, and he was fuming, and he said, get back over the wicket. <laughs> but well done. Um, I took four for nine that day, by the way. Um, oh, geez. Well done.
2: It's great effort, isn't yeah,
3: it? Yeah, sensational. That'll keep her motivated. Man, we We're going to get on. Uh, I just uh, misplaced the number, but we're going to try and speak to possibly the only woman in Australia who's making cricket bats. Uh, she's yes. based at Mirby North. I'm hoping to get her on next week, so bear with me. What's um, your name again? Uh, you forgotten? Everything's, I everything's shouldn't have forgotten. asked you no, 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 you've embarrassed me. Oh, But, <laughs> um, but that will... Uh, so that ties into that because I, she was talking about uh, the women's cricket, and she was playing it at Mervyn North, and she said there's a really popular um, growth of it in in the local area, so uh, she'll be able to fill us in a lot more than I will, but it, that'll be a fascinating chat.
2: The uh, cricket out this way, Dan. The um, the big story over the last oh, month or so, is it Phillip Island to the side to watch in the A grade? Is that right? Yeah, they are, uh, and they're right now they made 192 and club at one for 24 chasing that. Uh, Coonwara, RSL nine for 162 against the town Coonwara, RSL. Uh, they uh, are now in batting. So looks like we're gonna we're gonna get a bit of rain today, but it looks like we will uh, get uh, this at least this round out of the way today. Inverloch at two for 41. They're only chasing 86. down Jeez. OMK. I mean, OMG. Well,
3: they might be on the, the drinks a bit earlier. You think they back in the club rooms a little bit early, hopefully. I think the rain's going to hold off for a little while looking at the weather at the moment.
2: Narena uh, made 185. Uh, Clark made 116, the opener, uh, before he was bowled. And Imperials are at none for 24, chasing that. So uh, it's going to be a big day today. So it's Coonwara uh, RSL against the Kunwara town side. And Philip Island taking on club that's out at Cows. OMK. Oh, I think they're going to get uh, touched up by Inverloch out at Outram. And Norena at home in the Leangatha turf to Imperials in the A grade. When was the last time you swung the willow, Dan?
3: Uh, what's today? Today is Saturday. I reckon Thursday night. Ernie had me uh, in the front yard. My six-year-old had me in the front yard there swinging the, the willow. And, uh I have strict rules. Uh, we haven't got a lot of space here, so strict rules that you got to keep them to the ground just don't make Dad run too much. But uh, <laughs> Dad was Dad was doing a fair bit of bit of travelling. a bit downhill, so he's only got to block it, and it goes for for six and and or for four, and just ripples away. So um, he's keeping me fit. Hey, just uh, I know we're on the cricket, but just quickly, mate. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Eliza and Kieran uh, Hookster, their their son Harry has. Uh, Come second place in the under seventeen SSV state high jump championship. He's a local boy. He umpired the he umpired the West Gippsland one of might be in the senior grand final as well. So and he's good cricketer as well. I know he's a good sportsman all round. He's uh, he's just won the under seventeen state high jump. Uh, second a, place. Is so. he a Lane Gather boy? Yeah, yeah. Gee, so. we've got
2: some high jumpers in Lane Gather, Haven't team. we?
3: Yeah, well, maybe she's inspired him, Eleanor Patterson, because, uh, yeah, now he's uh, yeah, he's growing up fast, this kid, and uh, he's one to watch. So fantastic stuff, Harry.
2: That is super. A, a grade Division 2, Niora, 4 for 42. Uh, they're chasing Carambara's 199. So that'll be interesting in Division 2. Uh, they're at home, Niora. Uh, Club at t- made 238 And they got Kilcunder Bass at 1 for 50 So they're going to need to uh, Dig in Dig right in <laughs> uh They're playing Foster And they'll bat today Chasing Foster's 9 for 232 Ooh. So he's not out 38 30- uh, Sorry, not out 83
3: Couple of good high scores there
2: There's Some really good scores So far, so well. They've been champion at the bit, haven't they? To to get a bit of cricket done, (laughs) they've uh, been able to train a bit. MDU one hundred and sixty one, Phillip Island are chasing that today in Division Two.
3: When's the last time you rolled the arm over? I was a keeper. Were you?
2: I, I did bowl juniors. You do have that squat stance yeah, about you. Yeah, not How your now. Fingers? Not now. Yeah. No, all right. Because They're I never, not... I never, caught, you... it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never <laughs> caught it. Not, not, Some
3: tubs... keepers' hands are shocking.
2: Yeah, I know. No, mine weren't too bad. Um, but I didn't keep for a long time. I ended up. I think I finished up playing cricket at about twenty-two. It was the, too hard to do both sports in the
3: end. I won the batting average up at Katunga Swans. Again, playing with uh, Rod Gundrell, I won the batting. Uh, the one year I had playing juniors up there.
2: So. Well, what was oh, well, I did win a batting average, but I'll ask you what your batting average was <laughs> when you won it because there is some horrendous stories out there of batting averages of 19. I think
3: mine was 17. <laughs> I beat Rod, so I was happy with that. Are you uh, serious batting uh, average of
2: seventeen? You won the batting. I app. was
3: the opening batter, and did um, you just
2: win a game? It doesn't sound like. No, nah, we're have. pretty
3: good. But me and uh, my opening partner Maddie Fleet, we um, Fleety was the uh, the slugger, and I was the the knocker arounder. and we'd usually get up some decent opening partnerships. But I was I was very slow. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, I won, so it doesn't matter. I won the I won the average.
2: Yeah, but you wouldn't want them engraving that average on the trophy. I'd be saying, no, oh, you just put the batting average. No, I just Don't help be putting the numbers. I hold
3: my finger over the the numbers, but I just show the trophy.
2: Are you serious? Yeah, they have got the numbers on it.
3: Uh... I wouldn't be happy
2: with that, Dan. I I wouldn't be happy with that. I'm telling you, that wins others. a win, Brad. Win the, well, Ross then.
3: Lyon's happy to win one goal to nothing, basically, in his uh, game plan, isn't he? So uh, he's, he's happy with his defensive. Just keep them down and you just, just do enough to
2: win. That's it. Hey, just before we go to the next break, Dan, I've got to bring up a... This is incredible. And I've always thought about having a go at this because I do know of people Bulldust. that play this. I'm serious. <laughs> one faggy underwater hockey.
3: Have you ever heard of it? No.
2: Underwater hockey. I
3: can't see how it works. What's the ball or the puck or what is it?
2: Well, it's heavy because it's got to stay on heavy. the... Yeah, exactly right. But they're what they're doing, uh, there's a come and try. So one Faggy underwater hockey club have got a come and try every Thursday at 7pm at the one Faggy pool. All the gear is provided. So not like cricket and golf that cost you a fortune to yeah. to, to buy. That, that, they'll give you all the... It just costs you $10 pool entry for under-19s and twelve fifty for adults. I reckon that's a great idea.
3: So if you want to meet Brad Sinclair in person, Thursday 7pm at the One Thaggy Pool, Brad will be there trying out underwater hockey and we'll film that.
2: I'll, I'll tell you what, I don't know how they breathe. You've got to have a snorkel come <laughs> up and down, surely. Or it's a very long snorkel. While you're down there, because I don't know how that happens, but I'm telling you what, I'm going to find out. I'm
3: perplexed, yeah. yeah uh, if anyone perplexed. has video of it, send it through to, uh, is there an SEN Gippsland page or something they can send it through yeah, to so we can, can see Yeah, you can
2: get it, it on the SEN um, Facebook page on uh, Gippsland.
3: That's fascinating. Hey, I, just, I should have had this in the hot or not. I know we've got to go to a break. Uh, last week you said you were going to book yourself in for a heart check. Have you done that yet?
2: I booked myself in, but Good. I haven't had it. Oh, that's all right. Yes. That's um, all right. I'm holding you to account. Yeah, Wednesday, November 16. All right. Next Wednesday. Perfect. Just a quick check, because yeah, it did spark me. Hey, we better take a break. When we come back, we we'll have a whole lot more Saturdays in Gippsland with Danity
1: and Brad Sinclair. Harvey Norman, Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. This is Saturdays in Gippsland. With Ian Doherty and Brad Sinclair.
2: Welcome back, you with Brad Sinclair and Dan the Man Eddie. And we're in the home stretch, Dan. And I, uh, as we've made uh, very, very, I've made very, very public that I'm off the Saints and on the blues. Mm. Uh, I see during the week, Paddy Cripps uh, was talking about what Carlton had learnt from the last season. He's going back early with the first-year players because yeah, yep. he reckons he's had enough time off. He's just come off a Brownlow year.
3: And he's just spent uh, he's just spent a fair bit of time with NFL clubs and yes. uh, posted a few different – I've uh, been quite envious of what he's been able to do over there. So when your Brownlow medalist has just come back and he's your captain and everything else, and he's come back early to be around the kids, yep. I mean, that's inspiring stuff.
2: Y- you know him, Lockie, Neal and Tom Mitchell have got a business on preparing for footy and everything. Oh, okay. And they used to have a diggity Mitchell and – Neil, because huh. they won Brownlows and he didn't. <laughs> and now he's got one. So all three in this business are Brownlow medalists. I Might have to join up. It's incredible. This is what he had to say during the week on what Carlton learnt from the last season.
8: Yeah, it probably took a couple of weeks to be honest. Just, um, you know, it's never
2: it's never the
8: way you want to go out. Um, same time, you want to be in those games and um, you've got to play in front of a big crowd. So the exposure and experience was awesome. Um, you know, I've said a lot, footy's got a sort of funny way of teaching you hard lessons and We've uh, we we found out those lessons the hard way, and, um, you know it's, it's been a bit of time now. We've been away from the club. We'll start back up in the next sort of couple of weeks, and um, you know, that's what pre-season's for. You you learn from those experiences. You sort of implement things that um, didn't go right, and and you work on it as a group. And um, you, you know, as a, as a group, you want to be in those situations again. And, and when you're in them you want to um, I suppose reverse the the outcome. So disappointing at the time. Um, you know, you wouldn't be human if you weren't disappointed, but. At the same time, once the result happens, you can't change it. You've just got to take your lessons and keep moving forward and, um, yeah, keep growing as a group.
1: What do you think it might do for the group, Patrick? Have you got a sense for how shared, you know, the, the kind of resolve is to not let that happen again?
8: Yeah, I think that the group's maturing together and, um, you know, we took a... Although we didn't quite make finals, we took a lot of steps forward last year. So, um, yeah, it only, only drives the motivation, but and also knows that, you know, the... So the little details in the game is what sort of separates the top sides. So, um, you know, the margins aren't big in the AFL world. And, um, you know, the more we can play together, the more we can have those experiences, keep learning. And, um, you know, I think that's the most important. You've got to learn from those things. If you just put your head under the pillow and um, try and hide from them, then you're not addressing them. So we'll we'll address them when we go back. Um, work on them throughout the pre-season. And then, you know, you're never going to get it perfect all the time. But, um, yeah, like I said before, you want to be in those positions and um, you got to thrive in those Sort of high pressure moments.
2: There's a lot to like about him, isn't
3: there? Oh, there has been all the way through, hasn't there? Yeah. And uh, he's found a new lease of life under, he seems to be fitter and obviously uh, <laughs> polled very well to win the Brownlow, but he just seems like the ideal person to be leading your club. Yep. And if you were a little kid coming through, I think you'd have his number nine on your back.
2: Certainly would. I had 25 on my back. Alex Jezalenko. And uh, speaking of the Blues, his great mate, next teammate, Cade Simpson, well, he retired a couple of seasons ago, and he's been on the uh, coaching panel of Carlton's AFLW side, Mm -hmm. and he's jumped ship, and he's gone to the Hawks as a defence coach, and he had a chat during the week.
4: Uh, Yes, I'll be um, uh, in charge of the back line. So really excited. Probably where I finished my career, um, so probably where I'm, I'm most comfortable and where I feel like I see the game the best. Um, and a really exciting uh, group of players down there is um, obviously Sicily and Frost, sort of the mature guys, but um, some real serious young talent down there as well in, in CJ and Scrimshaw and, and Will Day, um, Jarman Impey, like the list goes on. It's an it's a exciting group, and I, I feel very privileged that I uh, get to work with them. Timmy Clark's uh, obviously a good mate of mine who's the midfield coach at Carlton and obviously played some footy with, with Sam. So I think Timmy might have put in a little bit of a good word for me. Um, but Sam obviously also pitched to me that with Hawthorne's list profile that they're, they're quite a young group, that they, they want someone who is keen on development and passionate about that space, um, which, is, which is me a tee, and I, I really enjoy sort of getting the hands dirty and, and getting involved, and not just sitting on the sidelines and watching.
3: Yeah, and just uh, that was Kate Simpson there talking about uh, joining the Hawks as a defensive coach, and uh, it's interesting. He's so—I mean, he has to be—but he's so bullish about the the young kids that they've got there and, and coming through. And yet you read a lot of the press and there's people saying, oh, they're worried about Sam Mitchell as a coach and is he is he leading them in the right direction? Or it's interesting when you get the internal view. And, and Cade's been an outsider, so he's, he's seen it from afar and he senses that. So I think we're looking for some coaches to pile on early on, aren't we? And, and Mitch seems to be in the firing line already.
2: Yeah, and a position opened up there because the great man Robert Harvey has gone back yeah. to... Uh, The Saints there to work under Ross Lyon. Now, he's an AFLW coach. Was Cade Simpson at the Blues, and it's AFLW finals weekend again. Dan, the Tigers take on North Melbourne in the first semi semi-final punt road today at 140.
3: Well, it's a a big chance for the Tigers because they've met four times, uh, Richmond and North, and Tigers haven't won yet. Three wins, and the last one was a draw earlier in the season. So... Uh, it's a bit on the line, and, and North kicked poorly, so they actually probably should have won that one as well. So the Togs don't seem to have a way of getting past North. So if ever they're going to do it, first semi-final today to
2: move through to a preliminary final would be a handy time to start. The second semi-final is at Unley Oval over in Adelaide, where at 3:40 today, where the Crows take on the Magpies, and it's pretty easy to say who I'm going for. Anyone
3: not. Wearing black and white I imagine uh, Well the head to head's good, the Crows are 4-1 Up, they haven't met this season At all Um, Crows, uh, they've won a bunch of premierships So I guess they start favourites, even without um, Aaron Phillips there Anymore, so I'll tip the Crows But uh, the Pies are quietly confident
2: Yeah, I'm going to go the Crows and the Kangaroos in these two games today, in those finals. um, Just on tennis too, we were talking earlier about the Billie Jean Cup with the Aussies getting through to the semi-final. January tennis uh, will be a little bit different this January coming on. The Hopman Cup in Perth, Sydney International and Brisbane tournaments will be merged to become the United Cup, Mm. um, played with country of origin teams across Australia for finals in Sydney as a lead-in. To the Australian Open in Melbourne, I think that's a great idea.
3: It's a little bit confusing. It sounds like they're playing parts of a tournament all over the country. In my right, and you're saying that, so
2: yeah,
3: oh, that'll be love good. Or oh, great for tennis fans around the country because uh, it is very Sydney Melbourne centric when it, it gets to the big stuff. So, White uh, city
2: in Sydney. I used to love Kuyong.
3: Yeah, I went. I actually went there. They did a one of those lead-in tournaments right at the start of um, Roger Federer's career. And I took uh, my brother along. and we So we got to see him early days because he was hyped even then that he was going to be something special. So we went and saw him play. And it was cool to uh, experience what Kuyong was like. It's a lot more open and uh, you're able to move around a bit more the the Aussie open uh, there's so many people there it's it's chaos try, trying to get around but uh, so it was good to experience the old stadium once
2: we've got through another show Dan thank Definitely. you again yeah Michael Gallus how good was that to talk to him the Pakistani Asia AFL Cup championship coach winner super he's just uh, get on uh, AFL Asia uh, website and have a look at those games that were last month over in Thailand.
3: And I think uh, Instagram and Facebook for um, footies for all, just to really see what Michael does, and you'll be inspired by this man. You can even, he's spoken at a Hero Roundtable event, and you can can get a bit of an insight into the character he is. He's a very infectious man and a lot of energy.
2: Also, thanks to Alan Chandler, the assistant coach at Gippsland Power, who joined us after the 11 o'clock news to have a bit of a chat. Mm about the kids that uh, have a huge opportunity in the next couple of weeks and hopefully get drafted. We're going to talk to him again in a couple of weeks. Next week, we will be out at Tire Power in Wanthaggy at 78 to 80 Watt Street. So make sure you come down. We'll have some giveaways. We're going to have one of Dan's books, A Football Genius, The Peter Hudson Story. It is an absolute magnificent book. We uh, had an interview, spent four hours with the great man on Monday morning. And uh, we will have bits of that podcast up on this show very shortly. And the full podcast will be up from Monday. Thanks again, Dan. Enjoy your weekend.
3: Thank you, Bradley.
2: And looking forward, next week, tyre power between 10am and midday, out at Wanthagie, 78 to 80 Watt Street. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Saturdays in Gippsland. Have a great weekend. Stop it. You're hot.